You're listening to the Ones Ready Podcast, a team of Air Force Special Operators forged in combat with over 70 years of combined operational experience as well as a decade of selection instructor experience. If you're tired of settling and you want to do something you truly believe in, you're in the right place. Now here's your host, PJ team leader, jujitsu lover, meme enthusiast, and dad joke aficionado, Aaron Love. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the team room. We got a special one for you this week. Trent and I just got done recording with some uh, some very important people. I don't know how we got on their schedule. I don't know how we fooled them in to coming into the team room, but we had the command team from AETC, uh, Lieutenant General Webb, Lieutenant General Brad Webb, and uh, Chief Master Sergeant Eric Thompson as the uh, the command team. They came down and they talked about everything from how it is that we're recruiting and developing airmen, how it is that we're making you leaders in the joint force. They use their extensive AFSOC and soft knowledge to really walk us through the process of how AETC is changing in this inflection point. So we just want to say thanks to everybody for for following, liking, sharing our content, both on IG and on the YouTube. Hit us up. Go to onesready.com. We drop on Saturdays unless we decide to get antsy and drop more content, which we've been doing all the time. So subscribe to the YouTube. Subscribe to the IG. Make sure you know when that content is coming out. I'm going to throw it over to Trent. He's going to hit you up with a little bio of, uh, of Lieutenant General Webb and talk about his experience um, as a little precursor to the podcast. And I'll do the same for Chief Thompson. So uh, over to you, Trent. Yeah, I mean, you can't really overstate how uh, how crazy it is that we had these guys in our pocket. Maybe it's only crazy to us, but still, just thinking about it, we had on Lieutenant General Webb. He went to the Air Force Academy a long time ago. He mentioned the podcast, so make sure you listen. And then he was a, a pilot with over uh, 115, 117 combat hours in Afghanistan. So he's been there, done it. He's been part of JSOC in the past. He was the AFSOC commander and now currently the AATC commander. So uh, kind of a big deal. Yeah, and, and Chief Thompson is his enlisted sled dog right by his side. So, Chief Thompson, a lot of the same, uh, you know, accolades and bona fides, AFSOC for a lot of his time. He's a C-130 uh, Echo and MC-130H um, aircraft. He's an instructor and evaluator on those. He's got 500 hours of combat time with 3,600 hours, more than that, um, you know, of, of total time on those aircraft. And he's been in for, for quite a while as well. So we had a great one with the AETC command team, and, and we talked a lot about where we're going to go, not only as AFSPEC war, but as you're coming into the larger Air Force enterprise and how we're going to get after those future fights. So we hope you guys enjoy it as much as we did. And, and here you go, AETC command team, General Webb, Chief Thompson, and uh, the Ones Ready team room. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to the team room. I have an unbelievable one for you this week. It's literally unbelievable. In the team room with us this week, Lieutenant General Webb and Command Chief Thompson from AETC, having the command team in the team room. General, Chief, thank you so much for coming on. We can't say thank you enough. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. Excited to be with you. Yeah, outstanding to have you guys come on. I don't know how it is that we tricked you into this, but we're just going to dive right into it. We already hit your your um, command history and your experience in AFSOC and other soft um, forces as the intro to this episode. So like I said, we're just going to hop right in. Transition is a huge word inside of the Air Force right now from mission sets to how we do business leaner uh, with less and maybe a fiscally you know constrained environment. So from you and using all your experience in, in AFSOC and, and as a command team that has extensive soft experience, how are you going to leverage that experience to guide us through these transitions, especially in the AETC world? Well, thanks. Um, yeah, I, I think that um, I think the, the chief of staff of the Air Force a couple of years ago when, when he uh, you know, nominated me or suggested that I be the nominee for this job, I uh, had uh, did so with express consent of get tapping into operational experience. As you said, uh, you know, the vast majority of my career has been spent, has spent in special ops. 
Um, and, and I think that um, it wasn't so much with the mindset of uh, we need coin or CT or crisis response kind of uh, background, but that operational flavor in particular. And, uh, and I think that's particularly important. It's certainly been uh, appropriate as you look at the uh, events of the last couple of years as they, as they played out in AETC even uh, with uh, responding to COVID or um, uh, you know, border crises or uh, Afghan evacuees that's ongoing now. Uh, that kind of operational flavor has been good. But again, it's not it's not necessarily about coin and CT. You know, the national security strategy that's now a couple of years old uh, really dictates that we're going to need to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, so it may not all be all about a coin and CT anymore, but it's about a great power competition or what we're going to call strategic competition going forward. But there's going to be the need for uh, airmen uh, to be agile and flexible, adaptable, et cetera. Uh, and so to get directly to the answer to the question, it's uh, that um, uh, if you really, at the end of the day, boil this down, I mean, which is a long lecture I won't get into, uh, but America's competitive advantage uh, in national, I'm sorry, in a, a great power competition or in even in a low-end CT coin realm is our airmen. Uh, and so that that mindset that, you know, what we call multi-capable airmen today or, um, you know, the ability to understand commander's intent, the ability to take mission type orders and be able to uh, think and move, shoot and communicate really in small uh, uh, teams with a warrior ethos to move out, that becomes critical. Uh, and I think, you know, that's what I assume uh, was asked of us as we uh, came into the leadership team here at AETC. Yeah. And I think, you know, a, a really important word that you used in there is experience, right? So you look past uh, the, the, the previous 30 years or so, our, our Air Force has been in conflict for over 30 years at this point. If you, you go back to Desert Storm, you come out of Desert Storm and you go into like Northern Watch, Southern Watch, provide comfort. You go directly from there into the Balkans, directly from that into 9-11, directly from that into Iraq. Like our Air Force has been doing transition really for the past 30 years. And so the beauty of the leadership teams that you got in, uh, in ATC here at all levels is that we've got some really experienced leaders with operational time, a lot of dirt in their boots, and they're bringing that perspective into ATC as we try to create the airman that's going to be the competitor in 2030. Perfect. Yeah, and, and I think as we as we continue that transition out of Afghanistan, all that dust on our boots and everything like that, I mean, we're kind of going through this historical moment where, like you said, Chief, we've been we've been in combat for a long time and it's been open and, and, and uh, you know, people can see what we're doing. Uh, but as we move into the next phase into that strategic competition phase within AATC, um, specifically, how are we changing the way that we uh, recruit, uh, select and, uh, and train our folks? Is it gonna be a big change or is it kind of just uh, uh, business as usual, sir? It's definitely not business as usual. Uh, big change, I, I think it depends on your perspective. Um, I think that uh, the diversity of challenges uh, that we face as a nation uh, is directly correlated to the diversity of backgrounds and experiences that we're going to be that we're going to need to be successful going forward in the future. And certainly for our Air Force, that uh, that holds true. Uh, so um, so whereas today, if you were to look at the statistics of or the demographics, I should say, of the of the Air Force, the enli you know, the enlisted force looks pretty much like America looks today, uh, percentage-wise, uh, demographically. Uh, officers, 
not even close. Uh, and so I think that uh, you've already seen uh, the, uh, the, the uh, amount of effort that's going in at the Air Force level to really uh, be all inclusive and really with an eye on uh, diversity uh, because it's a strength. It's a, it's a, it's a historic strength uh, of our nation. Uh, and I, I think uh, all recognize uh, that uh, some focus in that area, and certainly, uh, I'm not saying that it's only in the officer corps, uh, it's, it's, it's holistic, uh, but it's certainly, uh, if you look at the one that's the most out of uh, whack compared to you know, what kind of the nation looks like, it's in the officer corps. Uh, I think that's a big uh, part of the effort. Uh, the, the, the backgrounds and experiences uh, that a diverse um, force brings to the table uh, is really a winning combination. Yeah, I think one of the, the great aspects of ATC is that we have multiple touch points throughout every airman's career, right? So we're, we're the first command, right? And we say that not only because we're the oldest match com in the Air Force, but because we are literally the first major command that every airman sets foot in, right? So you go from a session right into the first command for either BMT or OTS. Um, so we have that initial training where we bring you know, young men and women off of uh, America's streets and, and make them great warriors in our Air Force. Uh, we train them with some of the best uh, tools and, and capabilities that they could possibly have. And then we have the continuing responsibility to educate them throughout their careers. Uh, one of the things that's really going to be important as we go forward is that we continue from day one to reinforce that our airmen have an agile mindset, that there's no concept of, you know, well, I'm a I'm a fuels airman. So the only thing I do is drive the fuels truck. Well, no, that's right. because you're an airman in our air force, which means right. exactly, yeah. you're, you're going to go forward and you're going to do one of many things um, that our leaders understand that our airmen are all capable, you know, from a young age. So how do we get lieutenants to understand that just ask airmen to do things, tell airmen to do things, and then be amazed at how well they execute and, and what those capabilities that they can bring to the fight. So I think we have the, the, the great privilege in ATC to have those continuous touch points throughout both officer and enlisted careers to help reinforce that agile mindset and that competitive edge. So, so another uh, angle or aspect of that, I should say, uh, is, uh, and this has been ongoing in AETC for a number of years, it predates uh, my arrival here, but I've definitely uh, doubled down on it. It's just kind of warrior ethos. Uh, so as you, as, you know, the, as you implied in the question, what, what's gonna change uh, going forward? More of an expeditionary kind of uh, mentality, a little bit more of the kind of uh, fundamentals uh, that we can lay the framework for appropriately in the first command. Uh, and then the last thing that I would uh, add to that is uh, this um, uh, transformation that we've seen uh, uh, AETC undergo for a number of years in updating the way we learn. Uh, we've, been, we've been in a methodology that's probably fair to say is more in the 1970s kind of mold of uh, learning, uh, experiential learning and, you know, uh, uh, classic classroom kind of teacher at the front of the class kind of blackboard or whiteboard kind of uh, structure. And that needs to change. Uh, and it is, it's changing in a number of ways with both technology and, and methodologies. And then being able to uh, recognize uh, attributes uh, that uh, become, that we can build upon to become competencies. You know, that's been the, an approach that uh, I'm particularly uh, proud of. And those are the kind of things uh, that uh, you will see uh, uh, AETC, you know, the first touch point, the first command, you know, for the Air Force uh, that are under underway in both uh, basic military training and, and a tech school before your arrival at an operational unit. 
Yes, sir. Absolutely. And, you know, Trent and I have both seen it from, you know, instructor standpoint from Trent at Trent at the, you know, uh, as the MFM down in ATC now, like we, we both, you know, understand that, that there's going to be a lot of changes and there are going to be things that we're going to have to do completely differently. So along with that hand in hand is, you know, we're pulling all these levers and we're doing these things, especially from, you know, our standpoint from an AFSOC um, or from a soft kind of angle, we're always concerned about the standard and, we're concerned about it for two reasons, right? Number one is, of course, the old guys want to make sure that, hey, we have a high standard, we're going to keep these standards, and we want people progressing. But almost as importantly, and I'd say even more importantly, it's important for these young airmen to come in there, get to a unit, and have something in common with their team leader. You look at this guy that, you know, when I got to my first team in England, I looked at my team leader. He had five or six deployments. He was a combat veteran. He was highly decorated. The only thing we had in common was that selection. I could look at him and go, hey, I've done something hard too, and we're going to have more in common later, but I have something in common with you too, and that gave us common ground. That's really, really important. And I know that we're doing a really, really good job. You know, as a, again, I'm an early adopter. I love the process that we have at ANS now. I was part of uh, the development from Kirtland when I was there. Um, but across the board for all the airmen AETC, how are they doing living up to those standards? And how are, how are you feeling about those standards living on? Um, as a as an integral part for both the people that have gone before and the people that are going through the pipeline now. Yeah, uh, a couple of thoughts, and if I and please circle back if I don't uh, directly hit what you're asking. But uh, with respect to standards, uh, there, uh, uh, yeah, I remember in the uh, well, really the beginning of, of my time in SOF, uh, what you just laid down has been uh, the truth uh, with respect to. Uh, selection and assessment, and just uh, 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 the introduction into uh, special operations. Um, and if you're, if we're talking about standards inside of special operations specifically, I, I would contend that there is no lowering of the standard. And in fact, uh, where there has been pressure in the past in any number of areas, and you could talk to special warfare, special tactics, you could talk to pilot training, uh, any of them, where there's been this real pressure for uh, production. Uh, and producing numbers, uh, what I have us focused on is quality. Uh, I mean, I am a product of my environment, just like you guys are. You know, soft truths, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I've lived it my whole career. And at the end of the day, um, is, as uh, cliche as it may sound, uh, quality is job one. Quality is more important than quantity. And, uh, and you, know, you know, with an eye on some of the things that I already laid out with uh, respect to um, you know, aptitude and, and uh, attributes uh, aside, you know, we're going to produce a quality product. Uh, and that is uh, the focus. Uh, and so, um, so it needs to be a, a quality a product that is focused on, uh, you know, starting at the top from the national security um, strategy uh, downward uh, projected. Uh, and, uh, and so, um, I think that um, for those that would say, hey, uh, is AETC lowering the standards for any, any uh, AFSC uh, you would go after, I, I would take that personally. I take that way more personally and, and I'm going to be involved in a lot more. The, let me put it this way. The conversations that I would get involved in with the chief of staff of the Air Force with respect to AETC are never about production numbers. They're about the quality of the product. So what the MATCHCOM commanders come back to me on uh, is going to be is what we're giving you uh, what you expected. They may have a complaint about uh, the numbers that they're getting in the timely fashion, but where it's going to hit me personally is in the quality. 
Get him, sir. There's nothing more frightening than a really, really ticked off general. And I'm glad that I'm not on the other end of that phone call for once. Thank goodness. All right. Uh, well, Chief, along the same lines for you, you know, we might be at a at an inflection point in a transition period where we might actually be able to take a knee and take a breather for the first time in, in 20 years. We might actually get out of a three theater, you know, constant conflict sort of environment. What, what do you see on the horizon in the training environment that we're going to get after? We already talked about maybe changing the instructional delivery method. Do you see any other changes that or, or are there other changes that you would like to see as we kind of get a second to collect ourselves here and uh, and reset? I think that's a great question. Uh, I'm not going to answer it yet because I want to I want to pile on with what the boss said real quick. Um, if, if we didn't care about quality, we would produce 5000 special warfare airmen a year. And I'll just leave okay. that. Yeah, true. care deeply about quality, right? Yep. Um, the, now to answer the question that you asked, not the, not the question. <laughs> not the question you wanted to ask, Chief. You do what you want to. It's, this is your time. I actually think this is a really interesting point for us to talk about right now. And, and it's really exciting for us in ATC as we look at the ability to actually take our foot off the gas pedal a little bit, right? And actually have this really introspective look at how can we make the best special warfare airmen that the Air Force needs going forward, right? So that the key to that is what does the Air Force need? And so that's not ATC, right? That's external stakeholders that, that are part of the enterprise that give us the perspective of this is the airmen we need, that we need you to build, right? This is the, the, the operational competencies that they need to have the day that they're able to put on a beret, right? And, and walk amongst you guys in the operational world. Then it comes to us, and we have the experts obviously down at the Special Warfare Training Wing here on the staff at the headquarters and on the staff at Second Air Force that can then translate those competencies into training, uh, training episodes, right? And so how can we really get after making these airmen that are so, that have such a great foundation and are so competent that when they leave here, they're just going to be able to multiply those skills above, right? So what is the what is an SR airman going to need to be? What does the CCT of the future need to be? What does the PJ or, or Crow or Stowe of the future need to be? Um, and I think we have a moment right now where we can take a breath and really take a clear-eyed appraisal at that and have some, some great opportunities to change those, those, uh, those training evolutions to create those competencies. Yeah, it's a brave new world, right? We're getting after it and we're going out there. Well, um, the really important thing is, you know, we don't want to go back and invade Desert, we don't want to do Desert Storm again, right? We, we need to make it nope. different. It's not a Desert Storm Air Force. So now's the time to, to take that look. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, perfect, Chief. I'm, I'm here for you. And, uh, and specifically, though, like the, the next question coming up for me is, so how do we get after uh, the, the future fight? And how do we make sure that the AFSOC or AFSW Airmen are still the, the partner force of choice moving forward through the training through our leaning forward into uh, what we need to get after, uh, what, what do we need to do within our own community to make sure that when someone thinks of the problem solvers and the people that can get the job done, no matter the domain or the environment, how do we make sure that the Air Force, like we have been for the past 30 years, are the people that they go to to solve their problems, sir? I, I think that um, it, for AFSOC specifically or, or special warfare, even more specifically, um, uh, I'm not concerned. Now you might, you might, uh, you know, easily conclude that, well, you're an AFSOC commander. Of course, uh, that's where you orient from former AFSOC commander, but, uh, but, but SOF has, uh, done this, uh, intuitively, I think for a number of decades. And it's right to this, the stuff that you, you just mentioned, 
what is it that that soft can do that others aren't doing? That that is our particular niche. And you said it, you know, problem solving, um, you know, uh, be, you know, where do we, where can we look around and go? That needs to be handed off. Uh, that was once uh, cutting edge. It's now become uh, part of uh, conventional force. It's time to hand that off and go on to the next uh, bit. Um, special tactics. <clears throat> Uh, I mean, we have taken it, we AFSOC, and, and I think we Air Force, frankly, have taken uh, many leads uh, from that orientation of special tactics. Uh, they're brilliant at it. Uh, and, uh, and that is what uh, General Slife is leading AFSOC through right now. Uh, the Air Force uh, and the AFSOC uh, that we've had for the last 20 years and, and that are, you know, honed to a razor's edge, respective of uh, COIN and CT, that's good. That was important. It will still be important to have uh, those, those legacy skills available, but in the era of strategic competition, where are those niches that uh, the conventional force, they got no game for it. Uh, and there's any number of them you can name. Uh, and SOF needs to be uh, looking forward and uh, looking to uh, explore into the, that realm. And it's not just AFSOC, of course, it's all of uh, special ops and all the uh, uh, services contributions to SOCOM on that. Since we're here in the TSSCI podcast, I That's, think yeah, talk. you're in the you're in the skiff right now. You're in the team room. This is don't worry, nobody listens anyway. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> it's like the cold it's expanse the, of space. Nobody can hear you, Chief. You're fine. It's the best defense of all. I, I think you know what I have seen over my past kind of twenty years in in uh, uh, or or at least the, the the time that I was in AFSOC proper. What we're going to have to be very careful of is the SW community has done incredible things over the past two decades. Absolutely incredible, superhuman things over the last two decades. We are going to have to guard against the thought process of, well, what we did was successful for the last two decades, so why would we change it? We have got to make sure that we don't just fall back on those muscle groups that we've always used, and instead we reach out and kind of explore new muscle groups that are going to hurt a little bit, right? Because we're going to cast aside some things like, you know, the concept that we're going to go do an airfield seizure on Tiananmen Square is really kind of stupid, right? So, I mean, we it, need it to does sound right? awesome. It does like sound logic, awesome. logical, no, realistic, no, but awesome, yes. It would be cool, but we're probably not going to do that, right? So, what are other ways that, you know, soft uh, special warfare airmen, um, guardian angel packages can be employed in the future in order to make us as, as effective as possible as the air branch of the Department of Defense, the primary air branch? So, yeah, I mean, the, the, those are always the, the AATC questions, right? We, we're like, that, that's what comes back to AATC, correct, Chief? Is, is they come up with the, hey, this is what we need. And right. they're always coming back to your office being like, this is what we need. Like, how and do so, we like, make this? I don't know. You tell right. me, my guy. Like, yeah, that's crazy. Make this for me. Um, so is, is there anything specifically, because uh, I'm coming from AATC, especially down from uh, the, the Special Warfare Training Wing, and uh, I'm working on a few of the projects like the, the flipped classroom and a few of the other things and getting technology embedded into our, our pipelines and all that other stuff. Uh, is there anything that y'all want to mention uh, specifically uh, big things moving forward or ways that we're going to uh, conduct this training or, or goals that you have as, as far as moving out on this training and, and taking advantage of everything that we have? Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a cue from the chief and uh, answer the question I wish you'd asked as opposed to that one. And then uh, maybe, maybe in the course of this, we'll actually answered the question. But another thought I had along this line, uh, it's not, in, it, it's indirectly related to the question you just asked me. Um, I think that um, 
we, since we're talking about soft in particular here at the moment, uh, we stand at an interesting crossroad uh, with respect to a force, meaning AFSOC, that has been uh, for decades the air component to SOCOM. Uh, and because of where we sit with our national security strategy charge, uh, in, in other words, the importance of Air Force and Space Force in a, in a, in a strategic competition environment, we will be the soft, uh, mad, or the soft um, expertise into the Air Force, uh, which is a little bit of a paradigm uh, flip on its head. Uh, and, and I know that that's where AFSOC is kind of orienting. So as you go forward, it's a little bit of a mental gymnastics that you need to go through with, uh, as opposed to being a, uh, air enabler to soft, how can soft be, or how can AFSOC be a soft enabler to the air force? Uh, and I think that becomes really important because it really orients, uh, what, how we, um, move out with training, uh, in an AETC perspective. Uh, at the Special Warfare Training Wing and uh, in any number of areas that are touch points for training. Yeah, I think specific to your question, um, you know, of, of how we're kind of adapting training down at the SWTW, new, new training methods and new training uh, uh, modalities is the, the word that I learned the other day. It's a big word. It cost me $20. Um, are scary. You did, you did great, Chief. You crushed it. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Uh, th those those new training methods are really scary to the force because the force doesn't have the background, doesn't have the context. They may not have the perspective on why we're ad adjusting to these new training methods. And so they automatically go, oh, well, that's not the way I learned. It must be crap, right? Um, and, and what we really need to continue to, to make sure the force understands is that we're offering multiple modalities to our students to ensure that we are creating the best whatever it is, right? And, and, and so, you know, I, I, for instance, I'm an experiential learner, right? That, that is just the way that I learn the best. So I probably look like a mouth breathing idiot going through C-130 initial call a couple of times because it took me watching somebody do an evolution a couple of times to really understand why I was doing it, why it was, you know, how to do it right, what the pitfalls were. But once I saw that, once I was able to kind of see it, like everything clicked for me. There were some of my other classmates that they could just read the procedure one time and because that was their preferred learning method, they were good to go. And of course they looked like they were, you know, all over it. And here I am, you know, just mouth breathing a little bit. So <laughs> sure. We yeah. need, I, I think, you know, I would ask you guys to help us continue to push to the force that because a training method is new does not mean it's not as good. It, it could in fact be much better than the old, old way of training. Yeah, well, we, we are 100% there because, I mean, you just described Trent and I just mouth breathing, unable to figure it out. Sometimes you have to like point and talk for me because I just I just don't pick it up. And I love that we have all these these different things. And when you kind of peel back the layers here, you know, we're talking about standards. We're talking about future fights. We're talking about um, how it is that we instruct and get after these problems. But really, it's it's stuff that keeps you up at night, right? It's the AETC command team sitting there going, hey, what what corners do I need to look around? So. I'll switch gears a little bit and ask you, what are some of those things that keep you up at night? What are some of those things that really take the forefront um, where you're like, hey, I'm going to prioritize my threats here. Here are these five meter targets. You know, what's, what's important to you, sir? We'll start with you. Here's, here's two thoughts. Um, the first is uh, the leadership of the Air Force has uh, spent a lot of uh, brain cells uh, and really uh, exercising uh, 
this the concept of agile combat employment and multi-capable right? Uh, and we, at the end of the day, you know, kind of, you know, getting small group huddle going, we got this, right? We, we can do this, right? And, um, and but you, you find yourself, or at least I find myself in these uh, situations like uh, the fight through stance that AETC took respect, respective of COVID. Or, uh, you know, two weeks ago, I was out at Holloman in the early stages of the, uh, the, de the deployment out there to stand up an evacuation site with, I'm talking brand spank and new airmen. They clearly have not deployed yet. They're second lieutenants, first lieutenants, they're airmen, one and two stripers. I mean, I asked them, have you even deployed? Uh, <laughs> no, sir. Well, and, it's, it's crazy, sir, but you don't know what it looks like, but you know it when you see it. And you can tell when some, when you, when you see that, you're like, I know, I, I don't even have to ask the question. I already know the answer, but I'll ask it anyway. You ever been deployed? Yeah. And, but you know what? There's no template for how to do this. Hey, sir, no one. Yeah. Hey, sir. I've never, you know, uh, I've never led a squadron through a, a pandemic before I go. Yeah. Neither have I. Uh, hey, sir, we've never set up an evacuation camp in the middle of, you know, southern New Mexico and, you know, blah, blah. And they're just, they're sorting it out and they're figuring it out. And, uh, and so at the end of the day, you know, while, while it does concern senior leaders on, we, we do got this, you, you visit one of these uh, situations or you're, you're exposed in these situations, you go, we got this. Now, my second thought is this, uh, the, the nation is in a time period of upheaval, socially and what politically and what have you. And, um, and what does make me kind of, you know, toss and turn a little bit uh, is, hey, as we work through this, and we will work through this as a country, um, we got to make sure that we have airmen that, that keep the faith, that don't lose faith in their leadership. And certainly we can control what we can control, and that is the military hierarchy. Uh, and so uh, ensuring that we, we as leaders, senior leaders, communicate effectively enough that sometimes, hey, hey guys, just turn off the TV uh, and, and let's talk. Let's stay together as a team. You know, one team, you know, the, the secretary has laid it out, one team, one fight. That, that has many uh, meanings, obviously, but one of them is, hey, we need to stay united on this. Yeah, we got challenges, but what nation hadn't had challenges? So what nation is a better example to shine a light on at the end of the day than us and let's not become so just enamored or so focused on some of these uh, challenges of upheaval that we don't we, that we lose sight of the big picture uh and so that is that's an area you know in particular that i feel the need that uh, really try to over communicate because it is the thing that keeps me awake at night yeah i think the the primary two things that i worry about um number one is that you know we make we have the capability to make incredible aircraft maintainers, you know, uh, special warfare I mean, technicians, right? We have technical training that is phenomenal, right? But I, I worry deeply that we make airmen, not just technicians, right? I want to make sure that our training covers all aspects, the entire spectrum of what it means to be an airman, not just your occupational badge and all the stuff that we put on here, but what does it mean to, to, to wear this U.S. Air Force name tape, wear the cloth of our country and do the things that we have to do? Um, that we can then, that, that gives us a product to grow from. And then the second thing that I worry about is making sure that we're taking care of our force generators here in education and training command, right? So how do we make sure that we value them? How do we continue to develop them? And then when they're done doing a force generating role in our command, how do we make sure they're ready to transition back to do another operational command 
and really have grown from the experience they had uh, during ATC time. Yeah, Chief, that, that's fantastic. and actually plays right in to one of the next things that I wanted to talk about with Trent. You know, as, as you know, we're obviously senior NCOs. We want to talk about not only getting, you know, getting some outside Air Force experience, because sometimes we're, we're a little bit channelized in, in what we do. It's, it's really easy to spend all your time, like you said, in between Kadena and Herbie and, and back and forth between two. So we totally get that. But something that we want to do is we want to get some of these leadership philosophies out there, like, you know, the senior enlisted advisor, the Joint Chiefs, uh, Chief Colon Lopez had his uh, his carnivore leadership that he would put out or his, his silver bullets for leadership. And then the, the um, combat air forces, when they got that kind of outside the ST realm, they were like, holy cow, these are really good. You know, we, we want some more of that. And there's been plenty of times I was telling you before we got on, I'll go to a PME and I'll talk to a maintainer or I'll talk to a security forces senior NCO and I'll go, oh, wow, you that's part of your culture. That's that's something you use to lead. And those are handy tools. Um with the, you know, with the idea of getting after some of these future problem sets, what's your vision for how we not only build better airmen starting all the way at AETC, but once we build these leaders that go into ST, that go into AFSOC, that go into the maintenance career fields or going into to be a defender, how do we then get that in, that experience out there? How do we share that and then take their best practices for our own cultures? That's a fantastic question. I'm glad we got to talk about it. You know, um, I think our officer corps has done a really good job a long time ago of creating kind of a roadmap for what it takes to make a really good leader in our Air Force. Um, and, and if you'll notice what an officer does, they do maybe two or three operational tours inside of a unit with some staff in there, with some school in there, with some broadening experiences in there that are built in intentionally to make them better leaders as they go down the road. Um, because of the, the somewhat stovepipe nature of how the enlisted force is built, where you have deliberate AFSCs and, and, and we're very focused on execution, we tend to stay in those execution roles for a long time. Like we go deep into our careers in those execution roles. Um, I was really a master sergeant before I kind of did anything outside of my AFSC. Now, that's a, that's a double-edged sword, right? The good in that is that you become really, really good about what's in your AFSC. And you can be an expert advisor on how that operational portion works. The bad part of that is that you are so entrenched in wearing the cloth of your AFSC, your tribe, that you automatically tend to not think about other tribes that could bring great capability to the fight because you just default to what your AFSC does. You default to what your group does. And so one of the things that we're gonna start doing, uh, I think at the NCOA level, right? So the tech sergeant level, is we're gonna start discussing these, how we bring forces together to do multi-capable airmen and agile combat employment. We're gonna have them do capstone style exercises. We're gonna have them work through hard problems, utilizing all of the skills, all of the different AFSCs in the room so that we can kind of start that cross-pollinization at an early level and get that thought process going. Um, we're gonna definitely reinforce that at the Senior NCO Academy. And then at the Chief Leadership Academy, they have a capstone event that where, where we give them a tough joint employment problem and they have to kind of work through that stuff. Um, that, that's one part that we're gonna do. I think the other part, like you said, I would encourage senior NCOs to remember that you have to get outside of your AFSC. You have to get outside of your badge. You have to get outside of ops at some point in your career and do some things that will help you understand the enterprise perspective of our Air Force. And it will make you an incredibly effective even if you don't want to be a leader, it will make you an incredibly effective advisor, ex executor, anything else that you want to put in there just by having that additional perspective. Here's, a, here's another adjoinder to the, doesn't really answer the question you asked, but I think it is complimentary again uh, with what the chief just said. 
Uh, and it really builds upon uh, what I stated earlier with respect to the asymmetric advantage or the competitive advantage of being our airmen. Um, competent, professionalized NCO Corps uh, is the envy of the world. And it's certainly the envy of our allies and partners. Um, there are allies uh, in our realm uh, that take officers and stripe them into NCOs to kickstart an NCO Corps because our allies see the value that an NCO uh, brings to the table. Uh, and we have work to do in our Air Force uh, on this, I think. Uh, and so as the chief was pointing out uh, some of the, the NCO uh, way ahead, there's an officer education uh, point uh, that needs to be deeper uh, than it is currently uh, with respect to the acknowledgement at the officer level that, hey, you don't have to have an officer to do all this kind of stuff. There are plenty of things that a mid-career NCO or, or certainly a senior NCO uh, can bring to the table that you don't need an officer for. Uh, and so when we talk about airmen as the asymmetric advantage, the real, the real ground zero for this is the professionalized NCO core. Uh, and so all these things that the chief's talking about, respective of you know, what we need to do from a uh, enlisted force development standpoint, really important because we spend a lot of time on the officer uh, side of that, but there's an officer education piece in there too. And that's, that's another probably thing if I was to think retrospectively about uh, what did I bring to the table? You know, I've just had a lot of joint assignments. I've had a lot of uh, uh, international type, you know, I've, I've been a commander in NATO um, and there are, there are corners of our air force that just aren't exposed to uh, NCOs in a leadership role until very late in their career. Uh, and I do see this as particularly a key. In fact, I think actually it is the key uh, advantage that we have over all the major weapon systems and everything else that, uh, that are important for our Air Force. It's acknowledging the role of the professionalized NCO. Couldn't, couldn't agree more, sir. <clears throat> and uh, th that brings us to my favorite part of the podcast. You actually had me choked up like talking about the NCOs like that. I was, I'm trying not to cry. You're doing, yeah, try to hold back those <laughs> tears, Trent. You're doing great, buddy. It made me, uh, oh it brought a tear to my eye too. And sir, I, I loved hearing you say that, hey, there's there's maybe some things some enlisted guys can do without the O next to them. I'm going to clip that. I'm going to put it on a loop outside my office. And when these stoves come and tell me that I got to do something, I'm going to be like, hey, check that out. General <laughs> hey, general said so. important. <laughs> yeah, check it out. Yeah, I, I missed a little bit of that, but I, I get the final questions. Um, I'm not sure if y'all are catching me now, but, but this, this is my favorite part. I get to ask y'all uh, two questions, uh, and they're kind of like the same, but I, I want to know what's the what's kept everybody around for as long as you've been around? You know, what, what made you stick around in the Air Force for as long as you've been there? And then also any advice that you would give to a 15 to 20-year-old thinking about joining the Air Force? Well, um, you know, I get asked, you know, as I'm almost the senior statesman in the United States Air Force at this point. Uh, so I get asked it quite a bit. And I, you know, Sir, I, are you really, are you close in that battle? Are you, are you close to the, the most senior member? I'm well, I'm close, you know, General Walters is senior to me. Okay. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a short, it's a handful. What I mean, it's your commission 84, 84, 1984, 84. I was so, alive. I'm <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I was, four, I was four. <laughs> <laughs> but you know I, I get asked it a lot and i and i jokingly say i well i don't want to i don't know what i want to do when i grow up so i'm gonna have to keep doing this i guess uh but the but the reality in there is i've enjoyed it 
uh, I enjoy what I'm doing. I, I had a service ethic, I guess, as part of my DNA growing up. And um, I've actually, uh, I've gotten up every day of my four decades of service uh, excited to go to work. Uh, and I'm just one of those that contends that uh, it's not, uh, you have to choose between work or fun. I mean, you can work hard and have fun too. Uh, and that's the kind of environment I, I try to create wherever I'm at. Uh, and so um, what was the second part of the question? I forgot what you said. Advice for a 15 to 20 oh, yeah. year old ish. Yeah, advice. Uh, so it's, it's in that same uh, realm. I mean, I get asked that a lot. Hey, hey, sir, what's the secret to, you know, making a successful Air Force career? Uh, and it's actually uh, very easy for leaders whose first job as a leader is to develop the next generation of leadership. And that is, um, if you work hard and have a good attitude, you stick out literally like a sore thumb. A, a commander could be standing at the front of an auditorium packed full of 500 people and let's just say 10 of them are standing up. That's how easy it is to see uh, people that work hard and had a good attitude. And it's that leader's job to take those people and mentor them and husband them along and to, uh, for them to be able to achieve their desires in a career. So it, it has nothing to do with you know, who you know and uh, you know, all that kind of thing. And it's all to do with, uh, you want to work hard, work hard, and have a good attitude about it. It's so easy to see. And that's my advice to anybody. Uh, so to your first question, you know, I, I joined the Air Force like a lot of our, for the same reason a lot of our airmen did. I wanted to, you know, make a break from where I was. I wanted to get an opportunity to do some college. I wanted to learn something that I wasn't learning at the time. Um, I stayed in the Air Force because it turns out that I, I really appreciated what I was doing. Um, I, I'd gotten the opportunity to be a crew chief in a rescue squadron. I then got the opportunity to cross train and become a flight engineer. And I was actually really excited about those things. Along the way, it turns out I, I, I enjoyed the service ethos. I enjoyed being an airman. I enjoyed being a, a part of the, the, the Department of Defense. And I think a lot of our other airmen do. I think like a lot of our other, other airmen, I, I feel that what we do is important and that there's a contribution that we can continue to make. And so as long as I can feel that way that I'm going to keep, you know, they're probably going to have to go, hey, you know, we already gave your office to somebody else. Like, you're not actually authorized to wear the uniform anymore. We took your chat card away. Like, stop showing up. You just kind of show up to work every day and hope it works out. Coming to work. Hopefully nobody fixes the glitch and stops your paycheck, chief. You can just keep showing up. That's right. your stapler. Uh, for the 15 to 24-year-olds out there, I think the, the number one message I would have is that, hey, what we do is tough. What we do is hard. It's not easy. Right. And you have to be, you have to want to do this, right. You can't mail this in. This isn't something where you can half-ass it. You, this is tough work, um, but it's worthy work. It's absolutely worthy work. And so if you want to do this, if you want to put your heart into this, man, come see us. Cause we've got, we've got stuff for you to do. We want you on our team, but uh, make no mistake. You got to bring it. Awesome. Perfect. Perfect answers as, as always, of course. And uh, sir, general Webb and uh, chief Thompson. Really appreciate your time. And I just thank everybody for listening. And I would thank you to, to the Ones Ready podcast and coming to our team room and, and sharing your thoughts and experiences with us. Yeah, thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, that's it time. for us. And we'll catch you all next time. Thanks, guys. Yep. Appreciate the time. Take care. Thank you.